tonight. So Beat McKinley. Did anybody say that lately? We got to say it every half hour. That's the way we do this shit, you know. All we, we say Beat McKinley, man. What do Beat you McKinley. Mean? Yeah. See, they do it on the east side, too. Are we, uh, we're off air, right? No. Yes. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Somebody say, I'm from New York, so I'm from Maslin. You know how I hate to lose. I hate to lose. Welcome to a special McKinley Week edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piper here and Rob Antonell and two very special guests tonight. First one, recurring guest, my dad, Midge Piper. Second one, first time on the show, uh, big Maslin name, Joe Studer. How's everybody doing tonight? Perfect. Great. Pretty good. Yeah. Hey, let's get it on. All right, so... Dad, you've been on the show before. Any people can go back listen to last year's uh, special episode to get your backstory. But Uncle Joe, we want to get yours. Um, just kind of explain, you know, your whole Maslin and football journey in general from when you started to now. Wow, Ooh. it goes a lot of years there. Uh, a lot of years. Okay, back to Longfella and. Uh, Went from there to the high school and uh, had a great time there. Uh, coach Cummings was my coach for my sophomore and junior year. And then uh, my senior year, we switched to Coach Chef. Uh, played with a lot of great players. Tommy Hannon, when I was a sophomore, was one that uh, carried the load. And Oh, the Edwards twins, and I go on and on about uh, people I was fortunate enough to play with. But... Uh, we had we had uh, had a blast, and it was massive football all the way back then. I mean, it was hard nosed football, and you we ran the ball, Coach Cummings. We ran the ball, <laughs> and uh, a lot of fun. I ended up uh, going to Bowling Green, played college football, and uh, then got into coaching, and and uh, was able to come back here to Massillon and coach for four years, and. I uh, had a great experience with all that, too. So uh, I just wrapped up about 40 years in <laughs> two minutes. So, yeah, you you went through a lot in pretty much an elevator pitch right there. Um, yeah, you could, you know, talk a little bit more. What position did you play? What uh, what did you coach? What, you know, all that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I played uh, center all the time and uh, I came from St. Mary's Longfellow I was a quarterback at St. Mary's but then uh, 
I came to Longfellow. They had a guy named Greg Wood who was a quarterback, and uh, I seen how fast everybody was, so I decided I was going to be a center. <laughs> so I was a center, and uh, ended up playing that. Played some uh, my junior year. I played defensive tackle. Uh, story. Uh, Real young guy back then was a defensive line coach at Maslin named Keith Wakefield. <laughs> he was my line coach and uh, had a blast with him. He was a great coach. He was uh, later when I was the head coach at uh, Worcester and New Philly, we had uh, both those teams were in the Federal League back then, and uh, so we would play Coach Wakefield's teams. So we go back a long way. And uh, my senior year, I played more defensive end, but still played center. And uh, it didn't go as good as our junior year, but our junior year, we had a really good team. And our sophomore year, we went down and played Cincinnati Princeton when, you know, we had Kevin Westover at quarterback and Tommy Hannon tailback. And we had, we had a really good team, really good defense, Charles Danzy. Uh, Brian Bash, we had a good good Bobby team. Geiser. Bobby Geyser, Bobby Geyser was a man. So then, uh, you know, coaching, I was able to coach here in the early '90s and uh, coach the offensive line, and was uh, in the weight room with Stu most of the time. And uh, we had. Uh, we had we had good chemistry then. First year I was here was under Coach Owens, and then uh, Coach Rose took over my last three years, and I was able. Uh, in '94, I was the offensive coordinator as well as the line coach, so uh, I was able to play in uh, play in uh, the '75 McKinley game when we came back, or '74 McKinley game. I'm sorry, but when we come back and. <laughs> One last second's probably the classic of all time, and then be able to be coaching in the hundredth McKinley game. So, uh, you know, just a lot of great experiences, and uh, wouldn't change a thing. So, the Studer name nowadays around Maslin, it's a it's a real big like legacy name. You know, it's kind of. Just it's in there. It's right up there. It's like Maslin, Studer. They're synonymous. How was it back in the day when you were growing up? Uh, was it the same, or was it like your, or was it like how I kind of went through? Your dad's just kind of a local legend. Well, I, it was different when we were growing up. There was no uh, was no real history of Studer's playing. I mean, my my dad. Uh, didn't graduate from here. He came up uh, from Springfield, and he used to come up in the summers when he was real young, and uh, stay with my great grandma. And uh, he decided when he was adult that he was going to move to Maslin. He loved the place so much from coming up and spending the summers with grandma, so he did. And he started Studer Signs, which. Uh, Used to be right behind the old heliport where the uh, rec center is now, and uh, had the tiger store and all that. So that kind of started it, you know. It was Studer Science, and then Steve played, 
and did real well and uh you know he got a football scholarship and everything and then i came behind steve and played and now it's going on to you know steve's boys you know they made all county i tell a story about uh being down wheeling and shooting craps and the uh guy the one of the dealers one of the guys working the table said something i remember uh, when he handed me my card back i remember the studer from maslin and I said, yeah, well, you should. There's like four all-county players. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, he was from Studentville, so I had to give him a little bit, you know. But, uh, yeah, so it just kind of evolved as far as, uh, you know. And, you know, just uh, uh, Steve being in the weight room was the thing that really made the name, you know, and... Uh, we got to coach together for four years and run that weight room together for four years, and it was a blast. And uh, Timmy Daniels was a Madison guy who was coaching and teaching at the time. That was just, uh, you know, we really got tight and spent a lot of time off the field together and a lot of time uh, in that coach's office, that's for sure. Yeah, like Hank said, you know, the student name, really big in Maslin, um, stuff that, you know, we've grown up with. And uh, because of you guys, and you know, the weight room is you know named the Studer Weight Room, and uh, you know now there's more generations coming up. Um, you know, it took a while, but you know we got Dan here. He, he's in the weight room now. You know, what is it? You know, from your point of view, you know, you can see the generations after you still kind of carrying on that legacy. And what does that mean to you? Oh, it's awesome! It's awesome for. Uh Dan to be where he is and doing the job he's doing is like looks like a dream come true. But uh, he's worked his tail off to get there. I mean, you know, he's got a master's degree in uh, physiology, and uh, he knows that stuff inside and out. And uh, for him to be in his dad, I mean, what better person to take care of it than uh, Stu's son? And uh, it's, it's it's a tribute a lot to Dan's hard work and. Uh, Stu, too, the way he instilled it in him and, and all his kids, you know. Sam's uh, doing with the wrestling and the, the teaching and working with kids. And, you know, Sam, Sam had an engineering degree and decided to go into teaching after his dad passed. You know, and, uh, you know, just a lot of motivation. Sarah now, she's uh, hooked up in the library, but... Uh, Joey's coaching over in Jackson. So, you know, it's just, uh, just, you know, it was all instilled, you know, Steve and Betsy. And, and uh, it makes you feel great. I'm, I'm glad it's happened for all of them. I'm glad Dan's in the weight room. He's the person that should be there for Tiger football. And uh, he does a great job and he's all in and works his tail off. So, uh, yeah, it makes me really happy. I'm proud. So, since we didn't do last night, yeah. recap. Man. What? Ooh, that sounded shot. good, man. Hey, give, give me some on that one. Well, okay. kind of get like. Well, we're starting talking yeah. about, um, you know, the okay. Studer family and stuff like that. I think when Junie was here, you know, when he used to come up in the summertime and stuff like that, they had a contest or some kind of thing like that about getting a mascot for Maslin. And I really think about this a lot. 
And that mascot for Masson was called Obi. He didn't name it, but I think he drew it. And you know what? And he was like a little kid then, but they had a contest. And I think that's how everything went, you know. And when it came down to it, they made the Obi. I don't know who was the one that said about the orange and black. That's how the Obi came. I think that was a naming contest that they had at the high school. But when the mascot picture came up, that was all Junie. That was all Junie, the little kid. I don't think so. Yep, yep. You better cut that out, too, because that's <laughs> so, edited. So Uncle Joe shaking his head no, but I'm going to choose to believe that Junie invented Obi, and we're just going to roll with it. It's a great story, but I've asked him permanently. <laughs> and uh, and so did I. And he said that uh, he, he wasn't the first one. That the first time he drew Obi was off of a sketch. So I think some kid drew it. I think it was off of Disney. Something about Disney, about the tiger and uh, whatever they do that, that, you know, like back in... Um, Story's getting better. Oh, yeah, you know. And Junie just went and put a helmet on him, put a football in his uh, hand, and, you know, I think that's how it started. I think Maybe. he would have... All right, so this is something that's come up quite a bit, um, especially like six months ago, I think. It was a pretty big thing on Facebook. Somebody that uh, was doing articles for the Cleveland Browns was trying to find the origin of Obi. And so people were asking around town to try to figure out where it came from. And a lot of people, they all went straight to Studer. They said Studer was the first person to do it, and that was just kind of what, what popped up in their mind. And, uh, you know, I think there might have been, you know, the modern... I don't want to call it modern now, but yeah. the adaptation of what we use now, you know, may have may have came from there. But where, what it seems to have gone back to was there was a local business. I forget what it is. I'll look it up. A local business used it as advertising in 1939 or 1940. 39. 39. And then um, we, we kind of adapted it into being the Maslin logo. But uh, I'm sure at some point somebody would have had to turn it into a Maslin logo rather than just, you know, an advertisement. So uh, I, I think that uh, at least is what is the, the ongoing ongoing theme. And the, the thing off of that, the whole reason a Cleveland Browns person was looking at this is they believe the logo Elfie for the Browns is a duplication of Obi, but for the Browns. And Paul Brown had it done because he knew about the OB from Maslin. And Junie and Junie was a little kid then. And I think he's the one that made that little you know, I mean, he he might have spruced it up or whatever, but yeah. you know, I am telling you, I'm 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 sold on this. Yeah, I mean, so from what I was reading, the origin of when it first popped up uh seemed pretty, you know, clear that it was a business using his advertising. But they still didn't know who drew it. No. They just no. knew that the business was using it. And they were guessing based off of a local artist who made it. But it, it's just speculation based off of who could have done it. It was they a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. It was a 12-year-old kid that did it named Paul Studer. <laughs> Wait, was that his first name? Yes. Oh. I, I thought it was Junie. Oh, really? Paul Studer I thought it Jr. was Junie, too. But it just said that was Paul Studer. 
He was a junior, and everybody called him Junie. Oh, that makes sense. I had no idea. I thought it was yeah. just like, you know, one of those old time, old-timey names. No. Right. no. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a segue out of that, but I don't have anything else to add to this conversation. I don't think anybody else does either, besides <laughs> the fact that I'm going to choose to believe, and I think everybody else should too, that Junie Studer drew Obi, and that's the mascot we use today. When he was 12 years old. <laughs> when he was 12, when he was 12 years old, yes. I mean, it's the best running option. It's you also can, the best story. You can either believe it was him, or we don't know. Your choice. Ain't nobody drew up more than him. Yeah. That's, that's for right. sure. That's true. That's for sure. I'll buy in that. <laughs> so, um, that was you know, somebody from somewhere else. <laughs> Okay, so we're here tonight because it's McKinley Week. You know, it's a it's that most special time of the year in Masson, Ohio. Christmas came early this year, but it still came. However, we got a little bit to talk about before we get into Christmas time. The Ignatius game, which was another a lot more recent kind of big rivalry with Masson, that we got our, we finally got our second win against them. We beat him at home. Yeah. And I, uh, there's some good, there's some bad, but we still got the W. Before we get into it, you guys watched it. What did the, you both think from just, you know, fan and former offensive coordinator, head coach? Okay. What I'm thinking about, we came into this season thinking, you know, we got a, great offense and we do got a great offense but let me tell you something I don't know what them guys did on that defense but man uh, you know Craig McConnell come on Craig I thought you was retiring but no you put together one hell of a defense that is great I love to sit back and drink beer and watch them films because it don't get no better than that. That defense you got, hey, let's go Tigers. Bring on McKinley. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we we controlled the game for the most part. Uh, I don't ever remember watching a game like that and coming away and being so impressed by Ignatius's safeties. <laughs> you know what I mean? Safety's the kind of guy they might get a pick or something. But that 19, uh, I don't know the kid's name, but number 19, and then number 18, too. I mean, 19 was a man. I mean, he was, for the way he could run, and I don't know, is he 6'2"? But he was, uh, he really, he jumped out, off the TV at me. But, uh, you know, Tigers running game, when we needed it, they mashed it. I mean, they mashed the ball at them, and, uh, you know, you're not playing some cupcake here. You know what I mean? They had some players, and we were able to ground the way, way our running backs ran was really impressive. And, like Mitch said, uh, the defense has carried us all year. I mean, who, who would have thought that we would be you know, at this point, after going into McKillen game six weeks, but coming into it, their defense has carried us. You know, everybody thought with the receivers we had and 
everything that it would be more of an offensive uh, juggernaut. But uh, hats off to the defensive guys. I tell you, Mike Miller is a man. Mm-hmm. He's a man. You you better make sure he's blocked because he he he'll run you down and he holds his he holds his ground and you know he's throwing Woolard and. Uh, uh, I can't say his name. Top man, number thirty-three in the middle, and uh, Xavier. Yeah, yeah. He he's a player. So, I mean, we we're gonna we're gonna run the ball. And we're gonna hit you. You know what I mean? And we're fast enough. You're not gonna get on the edge on us. So, uh, yeah, we'll 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 see. It, it it's a great week. Great week to be here. Uh, I like uh, Martavius too, number eleven. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta keep getting in the ball. I like them jet sweeps. Absolutely. You yeah. know, uh, that that jumped out at me. He can scoot. He's fast. So, uh, Tiger Tiger's got a lot of weapons. We're 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 still getting better. We gotta eliminate penalties, especially the stupid ones. We got we gotta quit doing that. You know, they're drive killers. You know, how many points would we have if we hadn't stopped ourselves? How many drives? I'd like to know how many drives had this year where we didn't stop ourselves, or somebody stopped us. Mm-hmm. You know, either penalty or turnover, or whatever. But uh, you know, once we get rolling, we're hard to stop if we don't stop ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of sums up the season so far for us. You know, we have all these you know weapons on offense. You know, we know their names going into the year. We, we did kind of expect you know the offense to really show out. And, you know, a few injuries have, have really kind of changed the way that we've been able to do things so far. But our defense has just been absolutely lights out. I mean, they've, they've carried the team all year. Um, we've had a good defense for the last couple of years, but it just seems like it has stepped up again yeah. uh, to the point where we're, we're holding some really good teams um, down. You know, Iggy's not a bad team. Benedictine was not a bad team. You know, we're holding them back, and our defense is showing out like they are. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I, the story has been our, our running game kind of shows up late when we need it, um, but it hasn't really established itself early in the game. That hasn't been something we've been able to get going, haven't been able to get wrong. We struggled early against Iggy. Uh, we were down at halftime, you know, a few mistakes. Another thing that's been going on all year, like you said, with the penalties, uh, we're kind of hurting ourselves. You know, we have all the talent in the world. We just got to make sure to put it all together. And, uh, you know, when it does... Because we are getting better, also like you said, you know, week by week by week. Just <laughs> by time we get there, uh, you know, we're gonna be a really tough team to beat. And as long as we keep progressing forward every week, that's all that really matters. Yeah, um, I think you summed it up pretty nice. You know, I got a couple things I want to get into. That our defense, Black Swarm defense, has been absolutely lights out. It's like, you know, the 85 Bears, the, was it 2000 or 2001 Ravens? No, we got one guy back from last year starting. Yeah. One guy. I this is what I'm trying to say, you know. That was something that actually, now that you say that, surprised the hell out of me. Because you expect, you know, when guys are coming, when they're starting for the first time, that there's going to be some growing pains, that kind of thing. But I think this is one of those things that we're – it shows how important it is to have continuity with the coaching staff where this is the system that they've been in for since what 2017 was the first year coach McConnell got here and when you came up through that system you know that system like the back of your hand and it just lets you play faster 
Mm-hmm. And when you're already a dude, it you you're playing lights out. Lights out. Like, yeah, but you know, we didn't think that this year. Coming into this season, you know, we didn't have a defense. But you know what? Like I just said, Craig, you know, all I heard you was going to retire or you wasn't <laughs> going to play. I mean, you know, play, yeah, right. McKinley game, huh, over in Canton. And the game, interception in the end zone. I still remember that, man. I'm, You know what? I'm going to have a beer on that one. <laughs> Thank you, man. I got to drive home, too. So, But you know what? You did something that is beautiful you you put a defense together you got them playing together and when you got something like that man it's like keep going don't stop keep hitting them guys it's great it's great yeah you know you got like we already said miller on the line he's just an absolute game wrecker i think when you have a good defensive line you're pretty solid when you have a great defensive line like we do right now you just make it impossible to play against. Uh, who else? We got, you know, Woolard. We know what he is. I think we're seeing a lot more of the – that he can play more standing up back as a more traditional outside linebacker. While, and we know what he can do off the edge, but just what he can do as an outside linebacker adds so much more to our defense. And you got Jaden Wise at the sand position stepping up. He's been – playing absolutely lights out for the last two three weeks you know it seems like every every time there's a play he's around the ball yeah he gets the ball no doubt about that uh brawley and clark at the safety positions those are two very that safety in our defense is it's hard to play because they get you up playing the run but you need to play back you know defending the deep pass too and i think what they're doing is just like the rest of our defense Mm -hmm. is really freaking good um, and like you brought up, Uncle Joe, Martavian Johnson, you know, last week against Diggy, he, he's been in there in the run, blew up a couple screens. You can see that I, him being that dude that he was, he was the whole team at Akron. And I guess that you just, he's got a lot of football IQ too. You know, he's not just an athlete. He knows exactly what's going on out there and he will, he'll bust up some plays when he gets a chance. On the other side of the ball, our offense, it it's not as bad as everybody wants to make it out to be. It's like it was brought up. Every drive, something happens that we seem to shoot ourselves in the foot. Missed assignment, holding, something that in the moment is frustrating to watch. But, you know, you get to take a breather, you look back at it like, okay, I can... It's not, it's not as bad. It's a very fixable problem, but it can be frustrating sometimes. Yeah, yeah. just like I just farted, okay? You know, <laughs> very um, it, it's just very, very frustrating. Sitting in a six-by-eight room. <laughs> hey, how's it feel, Junior? Okay, all right. Oh, I say Junie? No, I said Junior. Okay. All right, but you know what? On to you. Uh, I, I think, too, our... Uh, Losing the L's kid, uh-huh. that size. Yeah. You know, I think that showed up a little bit that, you know, we got tough kids and they're tigers and they're fighting. 
But when you're playing Ignatius, St. Ed's, Benedict, you're going to play against some studs in there. And, you know, we're, we're not as big as we have been traditionally with him out, out of there. I think that shows up at times, just their size. But, uh, you know, Raycon can't run any harder than what he's run. I mean, he's he's been amazing. You know, the yards he gets after contact is just got to be phenomenal. I don't know what that number would be, but. I mean, nobody ever brings him down. He always goes forward at the end, you know. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll uh, I think we'll be fine Saturday as far as, uh, you know, being able to move the ball, move the change. We've done it all year. We just get down there close and have a problem, you know, usually from our own uh, mistake, you know. Yeah, I mean, when we when we lost uh, L's, you know, we definitely lost some size up front. You know, I think uh, because of how we had to switch people around, you know, we probably lost, you know, 60, 70 pounds just from having to replace him alone. But also the continuity of, you know, having four guys that were all together last year. And now you're kind of mixing some people in, trying to figure out who plays where best. And th- I mean, that's something we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And I think we kind of have that figured out. But um, early on, it, it was tough trying to just replace a guy in general. Um, you know, with that, like you said, Hank, our, our offense itself isn't quite as bad as a lot of people want to make it out to be. But also, I don't think a lot of people would have guessed that we'd only have four touchdown passes going into McKinley week, week six. You know? Well, I think we're so spoiled around here. and I mean, we had the best high school quarterback for the last three years that you know, broke every possible record and everything, and everybody thinks we just cloned them here. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, he was a, you know, he was a once in a couple decades guy. You know, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of pressure for him to come in behind and and. Uh, but he's poised. He's he stays under control. He doesn't let the moment take over on him, and I think he'll be fine Saturday. Yeah, you know, I think you've seen his age a little bit. The first interception, the pick six. Mm-hmm. What we ran, it was like a slant fade. It, you're basically the inside guy was setting a pick for the slant. And I think his read key, you know, he went with the inside guy. So he threw the ball. But sometimes right, you got to tip your hat. Right before the snap, you know, that safety rolls down. Number he gets 19. Right in that again. window. Yeah. And like you say, hey, sometimes the defense just has a better play call. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but the second uh, the second interception, real late in the game, it, the corner just made a hell of a play. You know, we ran that post wheel. We run it all night. I think we ran it like six or seven times. It, corners running with the post. Wheels open. He throws the wheel. And that corner just peels off of it because he's been seeing that all night. And yeah. makes the inter- makes a nice play. Sometimes it's on the quarterback, sometimes it's not. Um, I think when we've been able to keep him clean, he's you know he's been on. When you can keep him on schedule, he's real, like you said, he's poised. He makes the right decision. He throws the ball exactly where it needs to be. I think if you look at the Benny game, uh, I watched that. I was really impressed with him. You, you look at the stat line: five for ten for ninety something yards. If you just look at that and make your opinion, you're a moron. Because he had, you know, a, a nice drop ball up the seam and two pass interference penalties. Other than that, so you take those away, 
he's what nine for ten. Right. Um, the issue, I, the bigger issue, I think that's been is he hasn't been able to stay clean, stay on schedule. You watch more than half his dropbacks, he's getting pressured before he hits the top of his drop. Mm-hmm. And when you're running for your life back there, I don't care how many Division One receivers we have, you don't have time to give him the ball when you're running for your life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think, you know, it's like we talked about with uh, losing else. You lose that continuity on the line, you see Garrison shift over to guard. A new center comes in. Our left tackle position's been in flux for a while. It's hard to go from one position to another. You're, it's not like you're not just playing fat dude up front. You know, left guard is different than right tackle, or center is different than right guard. It's we're still finding that continuity, and because of COVID, we didn't even have a three game scrimmage to really get our feet wet, get that initial going into the season kind of rhythm that you need. Mm-hmm. I know the uh, the line coaches, uh, I know they start right back in August and they move them guys around in case you run into an injury thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it helps when you do run into injuries. Uh, th- them guys have been practicing different positions all through August and and they're pretty much, you know, I mean, there's some kids that are just a left tackle. You know, that's what they are, and they're good at it. But there's a lot of kids that play guard and center. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're interchangeable. And uh, the kids that really pick it up know it all, you know. So it gives you that flexibility as a coach's standpoint, try and get your best kids on the field. Yeah, and, you know, the, you – should have a lot of flexibility like you said as a coach you need to plan for if something goes wrong but you know you know as a player when you play your entire you play your career at one position sure you're getting backup reps at somewhere else it's still hard to switch from this like, oh absolutely from center to guard or somewhere from this to that and have that continuity with your starting guys especially when you go and face a team like Ignatius that that was one of the – that was probably the best defense we've played so far this year. Mm-hmm. Not to mention yep. the fact that, you know, I think we've slandered the 3-3 stack before on this podcast, but it can get confusing sometimes. You're trying to figure mm-hmm. out where guys are coming from, and when a team runs it well, it's very hard to defend. Yeah, and when you got athletes running it well, it's really hard to defend. <laughs> you know, they had some athletes. <clears throat> You know, that goes back to when we played. You know, it was like uh, we get a new coach. We lost Coach Cummings. We get a new coach. He's very religious, haircuts, everything. You know, you can't even have a beer. You know, you're 18, can't even have a beer, you know. So, but the thing we went through. Different days. When it, it came down. You know, we had a very, very strong team coming in to that season. And then all of a sudden, we start getting injuries. And, you know, you lose a guy here, you lose a guy there. Yeah, you're right. We don't have people coming back covering that. So now you don't have a backup guy. Because Maslin, we're not really that, we don't have depth. I mean, we do, but we don't. Like, not like Ignatius, like these big schools do and all that. And I'm not making no excuses or nothing, but 
damn, Joe, when you went out with that heart murmur, we had to put a junior in there that never played. And, you know, his name was uh, Dan Nagel. And Dan Nagel, you know what? Typical Maslin kid, 100%. He might not have it all, he, you know, but he was strong. You know, he would fight and he would get beat. But you know what? He'd get back up and he'd come back in that huddle and he would not say a word. And it was just such a, you know, just do your best. That's all we're asking. And, you know, that's Maslin. And God damn it, I, that's Maslin. You know, I, I'm telling you, it's starting to piss me off right now. And you know what? I don't like Canton. I'm not going there. And you know, I, Danny Nagel ended up this. having a having a great college career at Miami University. Yeah, he got a full ride there. Yeah, I think he was a three year starter. Yeah, but your ass came back, and when it came back, we start playing teams that were top notch. And you know, that's when we come up McKinley, like our senior year. You know, we got spanked our junior year. We got spanked bad, twenty one nothing. And you know what? When it came back that next year, we was we was thinking about them game one. I'm going to tell you right now. We was thinking about them game one. I don't know if the coaches were, but the players were because we wasn't going to put up with this shit. You know, we got to live eight miles away from these people. And I'm telling you, when, when the ninth game came, here we are practicing in the stadium the tenth game. And it's cold, the lights are on, and we're fighting with each other. And I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, like, in the locker room or anything like that, but we're hitting each other hard. And, you know, just we just didn't like each other then. I don't know what it was, but it was a whole new ball game. And when we got out there on that game day, you know, you're in our field now. You're coming to our field. You're 9-0. Who gives a shit? You know, it's let's play. Let's play. And I guess that was like one of the good games, you know, because I tell you what, all I can remember my brother telling me, he said, hey, you know what? I seen this guy running down the middle of Lincoln Way. I saw, yeah. He says, yeah. He looked over at me and says, hey, I got your brother's helmet. I said, okay, you know, it was a good friend of mine, Pumpkin. I threw my helmet up in the air when the game was over with. He must have caught it. <laughs> but, yeah, there we go. Um, the first time you told me that story, it was, yeah, I wanted to keep my helmet, so I saw Pumpkin in the crowd and threw him the helmet. That same thing as throwing, throwing it up, throwing, whatever. But, yeah. He ended up with it. Oh, yeah. It's sitting in the house now, and it looks damn good. Um, yeah, I think one thing that I've learned kind of as I get more into the history of Maslin is that 74 game. It's like kind of a big deal in the Maslin-McKinley lore. Oh, yeah. it was awesome. It was, it was next to the 100th game. You know, it's hard-pressed. Now... You know, and and we were so good back in the fifties and the sixties. 
that we didn't have many games that were nail biters. You know what I mean? We 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 stomped everybody. You know, uh, hell, our last state championship game or last state cha- state championship team in what seventy with Coach Cummings, right? Was they let up how many points? Uh, Twelve, I think, something like that. And so that's like really beat McKinley twenty eight nothing. You know, for us now, that's history. Yeah. For you guys, that was what four or five, six years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Think about that. It's just the memories are right there. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Coach Cummings was a great coach, and uh, his teams were were well schooled, and it was run the ball and and uh, block people and tackle people. You know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't rocket scientists. You know, <laughs> now I think that sometimes you get things get a little bit too complicated. I mean, we never Coach Cummings never called a bubble screen as life. <laughs> never. It was like pulling teeth to call a bootleg pass. <laughs> you know, uh, so it was a different game then. You know than it is now, but. Yeah, this the seventy four games got to be right up there with the hundredth, in my opinion. You know, uh, I don't know how you could not put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you guys had what the year before seventy three going into the game undefeated, first year of the playoffs, state, you know, playoff hopes to second year, second year going into the playoffs. Thank you, yeah. um, coming in undefeated and McKinley playing spoiler. Next, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they, they yeah, tip your hat, they put it on us, and then yeah. you know, coming into that next season, you got what you, dad, you always told me you had like all the starters coming back, and you had this this high expectation of oh, this team's gonna go ten or no, we're gonna go into the playoffs, and we're gonna run the tables. Yeah, and that was the, when we were growing up. That was a story every year. I mean, you, that's what the expectation was. You know, you didn't lose. But, you know, and we had injuries. I, I, I think, remembering back, I think we had uh, the McKinley game was the first game since, I think, week two where we had all four captains play. I mean, that's how bad our injuries were. And, uh, you know, you take guys out like Greg Wood and uh, Timmy Gutchall and Mark Streeter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got hurt, right? It was back. Uh, you know, it makes it tough, but uh, we were strong for that McKinley game, and we knew we were going to be able to play with them. And it was, uh, you know, they were nine and zero, but I don't think they they had any any anticipation of <laughs> what was going on. It was like during the game, it was like they were in a fog or something. It was like they weren't even what McKinley? McKinley guys, yeah. McKinley guys, we got we got the ball. Any fire we got the opening kickoff. We got the ball, and like on our third play, we fumbled the ball to them on our thirty-five yard line. Right. And I remember going up to Billy Harmon and saying, "Hey, get ready. We're getting this ball back." And four plays later, Billy Harmon come running on the field, getting in my face, saying, yeah, 
yeah, let's go. And he's laughing. And I'm like, wow, I never seen this guy get that excited. You know, and I'm his damn, I'm his best friend. And here we are. And, and boy, what a game he played. I'm telling you, I'd hate to be McKinley on that one. Yeah, he was a horse boy. So you've talked about, like, kind of touched on being playing in the game and just the general feeling of it. What's it like going into that game? You know, you guys are kind of a disappointing season, five and four. Nothing to play for except the McKinley game. You know, Everything you, to play for. Well, yeah. Everything to play I, for. In our, you know, in our experience, we've going into the McKinley game, you got playoffs, you know, looking forward to week 11, that kind of mm. thing. Um, but what's it like when you have that last game is you know it's going to be your last game on top of it being McKinley? Well, let me say this. The last game didn't mean nothing. It, it had nothing to do with it. It was Canton that it had to do with it. And when, you know, like during the week in practice and stuff like that, it was like there was fights going on. I mean, not just fights. It was just like it, it was hard. Everybody was playing hard and these coaches and you know what the thing about with them coaches that's two points these coaches they were like um you missed that they was like um they they was more like teachers than coaching to me they walked out of the room monday they go okay we never been here before now you guys have. We're here to teach you. And there you go. And they walked out of the conference room. Our captains got up and they said, hey, okay, this is McKinley. This ain't last year. We're, we're going to live this day your whole life. So when you get to go with this, now the people start thinking this. These kids, I'm telling you, these kids were hitting each other. And it wasn't just the seniors. It was the juniors. It was the sophomores. I remember this one kid. He was a sophomore. He got his ass kicked every play. But you know what? He got up every game. Hurry up. Damn, that's my favorite sound. Okay, but he got up every... His name was uh, Jesse Tolls. He was my garbage man. Best man I ever had. I'm telling you. He was something else. But you know what? He got like the MVP that week of being on the demo squad. He got his ass kicked, but he was still fighting. Every play. Am I doing all right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he'd be fighting every play. And, Prepared us. Huh? Prepared us. Oh, yeah. And when it came down to it, you know, you know, I had a couple stints, and Joe had a couple stints. Everybody, you know, had a problem with somebody, you know. We was just giving it all we never had before. And, you know, i never been through that season. But you know what? When my junior year, I wish I would have had that kind of mentality going into my junior year. But when you're senior year and this is it, you know, that's it, man. 
you're going to live with these guys the rest of your life. I'm not going to put up with this shit. And you learn the coaches, you know, and back to the coaches again. They was teaching instead of coaching. I'm, I'm, I don't know the difference, what I'm trying to tell you, but we was listening to them. And as we was listening to them, it was working. And they had a game plan. And that game plan, when it came out, they, I, I'm going to put it, hey, that was the best I ever seen coaching in my life, I think, right there. You know, this game, this the way they did everything. Because we was in the right spots at the right time. I remember I was playing corner, and this coach yells, Hey, Pfeiffer, screen, watch the screen. I let my guy go. I went up in the middle of the field, went right up to this guy, hit him, and hell, I didn't even know he caught the ball. <laughs> and, you know, it was just that type of that type of coaching. It was just so strong. And when the game was over, I never seen Coach Shuff ever smile in my life till after that game. <laughs> and that's when I told him, Coach, I threw my helmet up. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> Beat McKinley. Uh, so I, I have a, a I have two different questions I want to ask. Well, I want to start with this first one. It's to both of you, but it, it's because of you, Mitch, that I asked this question. And uh, of course, as I asked ask this question, you, you just ended your phrase with Beat McKinley. But as long as I've known you, I've always heard you refer to them as Canton. I've heard you say Canton more than I've heard you say McKinley. Is there more to it than just the school? Is there like an actual city factor to this to you guys? Yes. No doubt. People from Canton. It's not just the school itself. It's just mass on the city, Canton the city. It, it makes a difference to you guys? Yep. Yep. Awesome. Because uh, I've just always heard you say that. And, you know, most people, you know, my age, most people out here, they always talk about McKinley. And, you know, you just you just know they're talking about Canton, Canton City. Um, but you, you've always said Canton. I don't like Canton. I never bought a beer in Canton. Well, that's all it takes right there. No, it is. It, it, it's a city thing. It's the... Uh... You know, I don't know where Canton's borders are for McKinley or anything. Uh, I know Belden Village is in Jackson yeah. Township or North Canton. Uh, but, no, it, it, it's a city thing, I think. I mean, it was when we were kids. It was Mass and Canton. And back then, Canton had Canton Lehman, Canton yeah. Lincoln, and, you know, Timken, and it was just Canton us. Uh, so let me ask you this, um, because, you know, my entire life, there, there was McKinley and there was Timken, but for pretty much my entire life, Timken wasn't anything. It was all, it was just, right. McKin it was just McKinley. Um, with all those different schools, obviously McKinley was the rival, but did you also have a distaste for Layman? Didn't for Timken? care about him. Didn't, didn't, didn't cross your mind. They didn't even register. Didn't make no. a difference. No, we, they weren't. They weren't in the same game. <laughs> no doubt about it. No. 
it's they're lame and had a couple good basketball players and you know what I mean but mm-hmm. it doesn't really care massively <laughs> so so lame and Timken they're like the so they're like the Perry to our Maslin. Oh, uh, you know, it was more like, I mean, it was just a whole different league. They couldn't play us. I mean, back then, it would be like now if we, I don't want to slam anybody, but yeah. it would be like we played Division three school. Division two or four school, you know, it'd be like we played Tussle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of in that same regards, a question that you know somebody my age might not really understand, uh, be able to answer. Kids that went to Wayman or went to Timken back then, you know the, the other Canton schools, you know, did did they dislike Maslin? Were were they like between the two? Did they favor McKinley or was it like a whole different school district? Was it I like think, was it like asking Glen Oak who they like better? Yeah, I I think so. I don't I don't think they. The kids that went to Layman and Lincoln and that. Damn, as far Stu, as football, I farted again. I don't think. <laughs> so, uh, it's rough in here. It's a really small room, too. Yep. But, uh, no, I, I, I don't think the kids that actually went to Layman or Lincoln were involved with it. I mean, uh, you know, and McKinley had a following back then, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was a whole different world. I I remember in in our senior year game when we got the uh, uh, got the ball back, and McKinley went ahead. They kicked the field goal and went ahead fifteen uh, thirteen. I don't know. It was less than a minute. Minute six seconds. And then uh, Greg Wood rolled out on that winning drive before he threw the touchdown pass and went out of bounds on the McKinley sideline. And back then, we still had track seats and, you know, cinder track and that. And, uh, you know, you had to pull him out of there. I there was going to say, I can't game. remember him coming out of there by himself. No, you, had, was, you had to go get him. Yeah. You know, I mean. Uh, there was kicking and everything else going on. Yeah. I mean, it, there was, <laughs> you know, it, it's robbery. I think back, I even seen a back, wine bottle out there somewhere. <laughs> I think there might be a little bit of money bet on that game. Yeah, I can only imagine what happened when the, you know you didn't have cameras following every inch of the field. You know, I remember yeah. you know even when I played, there, there was kind of a, an unspoken thing about when an opposing player fell into your sideline. You know, I can't say what did or didn't happen, but we were pretty good at it. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the players or the coaches or anything. <laughs> It was the people that were in them track seats that had no restrictions at all. They were all standing up at that point, and you're falling right into their knees and that. You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't a, a, a very, you're talking about crowd control. Back in the mid-70s, there was no crowd control. I mean, it was just have at it. So it was just that whole mentality of, and this is my dad's quote, that Stu quoted, and it's all it always ends up as a better quote anyway. Don't even like to go east of Kmart, right? Right, that's, that's kind of you know, I mean, you got to sometimes, yeah. You know, you, you go, don't enjoy yourself. <laughs> you go and if ask. they need a pummeling problem, I'll be there. 
but I won't accept a beer from them. <laughs> but it, it's, I don't know, it's weird to hear that mentality from there to now, to where it's like, you know, when we played, it was almost like uh, respect. You know, you, you hated each other on the field, but at the end of the game, you're high five and that kind of thing. Hey. Well, I I think after the game's over, you know, I I was uh, when I went to Bowling Green, uh, my best buddies were their Bravics, played for McKinley. You know, the, you say the word respect. I mean, once you get to know the guys and it's all over. Oh, I love them guys. They, they the were only way you loved them was when you put the same uniform on they had. Well, yeah, but they 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 were there. Ain't, there wasn't no difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were orange and black. They rode red and black. We were rivals. We were gonna go fight it out. But they were the same guys as you when know. When the game's over, right, right. When the game's yeah. over and that, and to go up bowl and green with them guys, they were great guys. You know, had a lot of beers with them guys. (laughs) Yeah, it was all good. I mean, it wasn't like it's a lifetime grudge or something. You just grow up not liking Ken. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's something that I picked up on my whole life. I didn't know very many people from Canton. I didn't know really many people that went to McKinley. You knew some of the names that you played against your whole life, but you didn't really Uh know them. Uh, and then after high school is over, you know, I kind of got to know some of these guys. Went to went to school with some of these kids, and you know, it it, it was that respect factor. It was like we both been there, kind of thing. Like we mm-hmm. both know everybody. No one else on campus knows what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. but we know like it's a big week this week, and no one else gets it. You know, right. there's that respect factor there with it. But you know, obviously when you're playing, it, you just absolutely hate these guys. Um, but talking about this. It kind of sprung something into my mind, and it's something that I wanted to ask anyway. Um, the movie Timeless Rivals about Maslin and McKinley. You know, I really like the movie. Um, you know, uh, I I watch it every single year during Mat- Maslin McKinley Week. You know, Uncle Joe, you're, you're in the movie, right? You get interviewed mm-hmm. in that movie. And I think one of the questions they, they talk about is, like, the respect for each other. But, you know, I kind of want to dive into, you know, the movie itself a little bit more in re- how you were in it you know what what do you remember going through the process of being interviewed for that um you've seen them you, you've actually watched the movie right correct okay i just wanted to make sure um what okay so <laughs> he was there uh, for all of it so he was there yeah, so I mean, in general, you know, like, what were your thoughts about the documentary, and then what do you remember about the process of going through the whole thing? I thought it was really well done. Uh, as far as going over there, I had to drive over to Canton, mm. which I wasn't real thrilled about, but I went downtown Canton. Yeah. And uh, it was first class all the way. Uh, I mean, I walked in and uh, had a makeup lady put makeup <laughs> on you and everything, but it was... Uh, I thought it was really well done, and I thought they spelled it out and had enough representation from both schools. And uh, that was first class operation. Yeah, it was fun. It really was fun. And uh, I forget uh, there was another guy that came from behind me. Uh, Rocco Rich was there behind me, and 
He was classic. Rocco Rich, yeah. Rocco who, remember, in the crowd. Yeah, Rocco yeah, who, Rocco you know, who. he had that number on, what was he, 32? I think it Rocco right. Rich, whatever he was, but he had a McKinley uniform on. Is you know what? It's when the when you're done playing the game and it's all over with. It's done. And you're friends with these people. You can relate to these people. But you can look in their eyes. And said, we kicked your ass my senior year in 1974. Yeah. And ain't a damn thing you can do about it now. Because that never goes away. <laughs> never. Never goes away. Never. Never. We still talk about but that now. In 73, when they kicked our ass, <laughs> that was one of our little goals. I don't think everybody, you know, really. When we started that Monday, I remember somebody saying, Remember last year. Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so now, for most people, you know, obviously you go your whole life as a Massillonian, you never like McKinley. But for most football players, it ends after your senior year. You don't really get a chance to play them anymore. Um, you know, Midge, I've heard you tell stories before. I know you were pretty big into, like, Flag football, which back then I feel like was just backyard football. Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. Ohio flag football. But you played, uh, uh, there was kind of like a Maslin squad, Canton squad, right? Yeah. And you played each other quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, So, you know, how did... You know, how did you guys take that? Was it was it still kind of a rivalry no, between you two? No, it wasn't no rivalry. We kicked their ass every goddamn game. We never <laughs> lost to them. But, but did you dislike them? No. No, I'll, they're going to buy me beer. I'll sit there and drink with them. <laughs> so just a fact. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's the Masson McKinley game. Okay. It, nothing else can hold a candle to it. But we never lost to them in flag football. <laughs> <laughs> never. And, uh, just Did I say never? <laughs> I That's seventeen years. Yeah, I he I'd never heard of like the flag, the Ohio Flag Football Hall of Fame, until my dad was like getting inducted into it. I don't care how big or small you think it is. He got a big ass plaque for it, <laughs> and I feel like that's not a small budget to like yeah. just hand out those plaques every year. Huh? So. Hey, Flag football was big back then in the 70s, 80s. Yeah, and yeah, from the stories my dad told... it still is now, but... Well, from the stories my dad told, it was a lot like UFC, but there was just kind of a football and some flags there. Yeah. You know, a lot... Um, yeah. it, it got physical. It wasn't no place for the timid, no. No, not no. at all. But these guys, you know, they, they take and get a team, and... They got, like, my brother after he was done playing college and pro ball. And they got Mike Mauger, who's probably the meanest person in the world. <laughs> and, you know, he, he said he had a nose problem, so they let him play flag football with, like, a goalie mask on. You know, that was like giving a murderer uh, machine, <laughs> a, gun. a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had Rob Stephan. I mean, it goes on. Jody Pete Jasinski, yeah. Mo Ricketts. Yeah, uh, they, they, they assembled the team, man. 
I, I mean, I, this wasn't just yeah. some uh, cupcake that's gone in the backyard and play flag football. These were some studs. My favorite story that my dad likes to tell from those days was, you know, you spike the football in the flag football league, it's a 15-yard penalty. And every time anybody scored a touchdown, Stu, you know, Uncle Stu come running up, uh, you know, celebrating. Well, let me and he they let me tell this story. Right? All right, go for okay. it. Okay, this is this is how this story went. We had a couple plays in uh, flag you football. Warm shit. No, give me. Is that the last one? Yep. Son of a bitch! I bought them goddamn things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the warm shit. There's some Miller Lite cold ones. Yeah, treat your lineman. You got to take care of your lineman, folks, because if you don't, they won't take care Thanks, of you. Man, you know? last cold beer. Yeah, you <laughs> some bitch. Okay, but the way we had this, we had a couple. We had a, a play called the special, to where we would run these different things, and we had a play called the flea flicker, and all these plays were like for like trick plays and I'd score a touchdown damn near 90% of the time you know I mean with the team I had you you could run the ball up the middle and score a touchdown you know but I would score a touchdown and you know I didn't really know Steve Studer you know I, I went to school with his brother and you know his brother's at Bowling Green now and I flunked out of Fairmont State down in West Virginia. And here we are playing. And Stu comes up to me and says, Hey, you score a touchdown damn near every time we call this play. I said, Yeah. He says, Hang on to the football. I'll be coming down. And it was always like 50 to 60, seven-yard plays. So next thing I know, I catch this this other guy catches his pass he flicks it to me coming across the field and I run 40 50 or 60 yards for a touchdown ain't nobody around me and I score a touchdown but here comes this guy man you know he's got fucking muscles coming out of his ears and shit he's running down the field with this big smile just running down i mean he's running down he comes up to me and i'm just holding the ball out to him he grabs that ball and he spikes it and when he spiked it you know that damn thing went 15 20 yards up in the air it was crazy i mean but you know what we did it every time you know (laughs) and then we were in the playoffs and stuff and you know it's later in the season and stuff like that our quarterback bill melanowski he could throw the ball 70 yards. You know, still I'm going to say beat McKinley. All right. But so what happened was we get in the huddle. He calls special. And he looks right at me. He says, do not give the ball to Stu. I said, okay, I won't. So we run the play. I run 60 yards down the sidelines. Touchdown. Here comes Stu. I give him the ball. Smack. There it is again. Now we're kicking off from our 35, you know. <laughs> it was just always a penalty, you know. It was it was great. We had a blast, man. And I'll tell you what, you know what? That 17 years of playing flag football, that, that was great. But it wasn't nothing like beating fucking McKinley. I got I to tell one quick story about the flag football. 
Those guys were playing for the national championship. I think we went to St. Louis. Yeah. But uh, I went with them. I was home from Bowling Green. Our season just ended. So I went just as a tag-along guy. All right? And uh, I remember Stu. I was watching Stu. And them guys, they got so drunk on the bus on the way over that the first game they get beat. They were sponsored by Budweiser, if I remember correctly. Bud Light, yeah, that was the name. I puked in Orville. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're we're on the way to St. Louis. (laughs) Yeah. 26 years, first time I heard that part of the story. So they they lost the first game. So now they got in the loser's bracket, so they got to come back. And it wasn't like you had a you know three days off or something. You played the same day, but they, uh, I, I, yeah. So they just kept winning, kept winning. But I, I'll never forget it. You know, you ain't got no pads on, and Stu's the center. And I mean, now you're getting into where all these guys played college ball. You know what I mean? They're getting the end of the tournament. And this guy passed for us, Stu, and Stu snapped it back, playing center. This guy came in, Stu hit him with a forearm, and I thought he killed him. <laughs> I mean, right across the chest, and this guy just buckled and went down. I think he knocked the air completely out of him. But uh, it was crazy. Them guys, the, 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 I would have took that team, you know, put pads on him, let's go play, you know. Yeah, yeah. the uh, The stories my dad tells, especially from that little trip to St. Louis, is just mm-hmm. unreal. And they're all good ones. Most of them stuff we can't say on this podcast. So we're just gonna move along. You know, we've been talking about McKinley Week and all that kind of thing. Let's talk about. You know, we got to give a little preview of what McKinley's gonna look like on Saturday, and then we'll bring the energy back up at the end. Really get the people going. I, I think you guys stopped the quarterback, don't we? So, yeah. I mean, offensively, McKinley this year, they have um, they have a nice size offensive line. Mm-hmm. That, that's the first thing that stands out. You know, the left side, they have uh, two juniors, left tackle, 6'5", 295, left guards, 6'8", 295. Wow. And uh, I haven't seen him play this year. I, I caught a little bit of the Perry. the Perry game. Um, yeah, what happened with that? I watched I, first half. I honestly, I don't know what to tell you. Perry just they ran their ship. You know, it was their flavor of the wing tee of this last couple of years with the jet sweep and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we saw in the playoffs a year ago. They just had. I, if them put thirty five points on the board, yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, Perry just ran their shit. They didn't do anything special for McKinley. Perry was just Perry, and mm-hmm. they ran all over him. Um, their center is five eleven two forty five. Right guards five eleven two sixty. Right tackle six two two seventy. So I mean, they have nice size on the line. Yeah, no doubt. First have right side. Yeah, mammoth kids. Yeah, you know, six five six eight two ninety five is not small. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing they do a lot that I think is just weird. I mean, 
I get it, but they like to run a lot of tight end sets. Mm-hmm. But the guy is a six offensive lineman, and their starter at that position, he's 6'8", 295. Gee, crickets. I had no idea. But if you're the six offensive lineman and you're that big, that tells me you're not that good. You know, you got guys. Depends what you want to be good at. Well, I mean, you got guys 5'11", 5'11", 6'2". Them guys got to look like midgets compared to that right side. Oh, what's wrong with midgets? Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, my my partner Robert just pointed out that the the what coach had listed as a starting tight end is actually their starting left guard. So six eight kid. Yeah. Yeah. 6'8", So he's into guard. Yeah. So, so then they're gonna go wide out. Um. The other guys they have, 6'2", 245, 6'1", 240, 6'1", 240. You know, you got guys rotating. They're not in. little kids. No, they're not little, but the one thing that is striking is they're all in offensive line numbers, mm-hmm. which means you don't have to worry about them running down the field. And they like to run a lot of unbalanced, you know, putting mm-hmm. him on the same side as trips, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it almost looks like they'll put him kind of – one side or the other, just to figure out how you want to set your front and your coverage. Just play around with that that kind of thing. Well, you know who you're talking about. It's Coach Pedre. Yeah. Who is our uh, oh. offensive mm-hmm. coordinator here. Coach B. Yeah. A few years back. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to slander B or anything. Uh, no, no. I know everything he does has a purpose. Yeah. They, um, Coach Pedre, you listening? <laughs> <laughs> ah, Uncle Joe here. <laughs> nah, he um You probably know. are listening, ain't you? Think you might get a hot tip. Probably. <laughs> he was our offensive coordinator back in 2012. You know, yeah. we were breaking all those what records. What a great guy. Camp. Great guy. Yeah. Great guy. I wish uh, if you think you're gonna to call him. a touchdown play against Maslin come f- Saturday. See, I didn't say the F word. You didn't. So but if you think you're going to do it, I will get you down at Piedmont, down at Slob Acres. That's too late. And um, you know what? We'll have a good time. Good job. Yeah, we will. Um, Some bitch spilled my beer. That's the way, man. Goddamn Lyman. Whole podcast has gone off the rails, but we're gonna just going to power through. Power I'm, through, baby. Power through. <laughs> Because that's what we do around here. Um. Hey, Tiger fans. I bet if you're anything like my partner, Hank, you probably need to go see an eye doctor. Yes, sir. And if you do, we have the place for you. The Doring Vision Center is a primary care optometry clinic located in downtown Maslin. They have a wide variety of eyeglass frames, everything from budget packages to designer brands. And if you're like me and prefer contacts over glasses because glasses are a hassle, they have uh, the technology to fit all types of lenses. They treat most conditions, and they also take emergency visits as well. At the Doring Vision Center, most insurances are accepted, and you even have a good chance of getting a same-day appointment. So come on down to see former Maslin Tiger, Dr. Ben Doring, at 35 Erie Street North, Suite 110, Maslin 44646. And that's right next to the Alibi Bar, for those of you who know the local watering holes. 
Or you can check them out on Facebook at the Doring Vision Center. That's D-O-E-R-I-N-G Vision Center. Or give them a call at 330-880-0035. Doring Vision Center, proud supporter of all things Maslin. All right, so they're, uh, they're running back. He's a senior, 5'9", 180. He's uh, fast, quick. He's you know, got a spin move, a lot of wiggle. Um, I don't think he's that great in pass pro because if you watch them, you know, it's like a regular B offense. They'll get up to the ball real quick, fake count, look to the sideline. And if it's pass play, with, with the occasional QB run thrown in there with the same look, the running back's going to cheat his his alignment up, like past the quarterback, to get to where he needs to be for pass pro. So that that's a pretty big tell right there. Um, you know, it's not something that's 100%, but like when you got something like 85, 90, that's mm-hmm. something you can take advantage of. Uh, he's definitely not the focal point of their offense, but he is a baller. Mm-hmm. You get the ball in his hand, he's, he's still going to do some stuff. Wide receivers, um, they got Latrell Snow. You know, Snow, he's a McKinley name. Mm-hmm. That's the um, that's the son. What number is he? 13. Son of who? Son of who? Percy uh, Snow. Yep, Percy Snow. Percy. Oh, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot that. Thank you, Uncle Joe, for reminding us. Hard to forget. Thank you, Uncle Joe. Um. He, they got him listed. He's like the number two receiver. He's good on the fade. He's going to post. He's going to hitch. Big kid. Uh, six three one eighty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big that big boy right there. Big turret. Uh, Dejour Garrett. He's listed as their H, which would be like our number three receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, six two one eighty five. He's good on the RPO slant, seam, and the fade. And their X receiver, Xavier Black, 6'3", 180. Um, they use him a lot on the fade, post, and slant. You know, when you have a guy, we list him as the X receiver. Yeah, them big receivers. Yeah. All, all three. They got, there's some big boys. Mm-hmm. And the focal point of their offense, number seven, quarterback, Elijah Wesley, 6'3", 195. You know, we've seen him a lot last couple mm-hmm. of years. Uh, he's got a good arm. He can throw a nice deep ball. He can put the ball where it needs to be. But at the same time, I think he's more of an athlete playing quarterback rather than a quarterback that's an athlete. And I think that's something we can take advantage of. You know, you take away his first read, which... It's easy to say that, but like you don't know what the offense wants to do. But it, it, that's something that you try and make him force a play, and I think we've got a lot of money to be made right there. Defensively, it's what uh, what's their head coach's name? I just blanked on it completely. Watley. Watley. Thank you, Robert. Watley. It's what he brought from St. Pete. You know, it's their 4-3, which is more of a 4-2-5, under front, uh, cover four. You know, your corners are playing seven yards back. Your safeties are about at ten. Safeties are playing, trying to play the run and the pass at the same time. You got to have dudes to play it. We got dudes. But it's uh, time to find out if they got dudes. 
It sounds like they do. Hey, Uncle Joe. You remember who uh, McKinley's coach was when we played them back in 74? Wasn't it Budweiser? Budweiser. Wasn't it? Bridewiser. Okay. What's his name? But didn't we all have a Budweiser after that game? <laughs> it might have. It might have. Moving on. Uh, their best defensive lineman is their three-tech, which we're going to see on the backside of our offensive strength. He's 6'3", 260. The rest of the line, the nose guard's 270. The ends are 205 and 215. I think that should be pretty easy to take care of. Linebackers, there's Sam. Coach Moore actually had a lot to say about this guy at the Booster Club meeting. He's 5'11", 175. Not what you'd expect from an outside linebacker. That's slightly undersized, but not as bad from maybe a fifth defensive back, kind of what they're trying to run. But if we go run heavy, he's going to have to try and fit up the run, fit up power or whatever the hell else we want to throw at him. 175 ain't doing much. Uh... More liked him at corner. He thought he was their best corner that they just kind of put at Sam linebacker for them. So, I don't know. We'll see game day. He could be tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could be tough. And that's exactly what... He might what, show up on film, Coach Moore's you know, talking about. I, that's, I, I don't know. Uncle Joe might know this one. Um, back on that 70 team, there was a guy, a football player on that team called Tommy Cardinal. He wasn't no 175, Mm-mm. and he wasn't no six foot. But Whole he was from ball game. But, but no, he was he fullback, was and he was linebacker, and yeah. that boy was nothing but masslin', tough, tough, tough. Well, I'm sure this kid is too. If he's yeah jumping off the film with Coach Moore, he's got to be. He's um. If they're putting him as Sam Linebacker, he's got to be showing something to them. Mm-hmm. Moving along, they're Mike Linebacker, uh, Powell. He's a junior, 6'2", 225. Dang. Moore pegs him as the best kid on their team. Wow. He flies to the ball. Uh, I caught a little bit of the Perry game. If there was a tackle to be made, he was making it. You know, he, he reads his keys well. He plays in space. What number is he? He sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, he's tough. He's um. Watch the pick. Let me see here. By far their best player on defense. By far best in the front seven. Uh, tackle machine, physical. Mm-hmm. You know if if he if McKinley well, was six three two twenty. Six two two twenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's was, a stud in there. Watching the um, a defensive tackle too. Yeah, he's quick. About that's this, easy. this dude's quick. Yeah. Getting to watch the Perry film back at Booster Club a little bit. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a tackle made, he was there. Yeah, only mm-hmm. twice. But you know, eh, a couple times. Uh, the well linebacker. He's a sophomore, six three, one ninety. That's something to, you can kind of take advantage of a little bit, you know, inexperience. Mm-hmm. 
The safeties. 6'4", 215, 6'1". Damn, they're crickets. Yeah. Is there anybody that ain't 6'3 on this team? <laughs> Man, I, I mean, the backside safety, nope, 6'1", 195. Um, they got some big boys. The corners, 6'1", 175, 5'11", 175. That's something we can try and take advantage of you know see we can move along move our receivers around see what kind of matchups we can create if they want to have the corners follow a specific guy or they, mm-hmm. if they're left and right it's uh, corners i think are the most in this system at least the least predictable of are they going to just play field boundary you know strength um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm side. sure they'll get yeah. or are they gonna tidbit follow? on that they gonna on follow somebody. But Normally, we trade every game with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. With this the year, last, it's everything screwed up. The last few years, we've actually haven't traded anything. We wow. just tend to get film from all the teams that we play. Mm-hmm. You know, all the teams we play, they're going to send McKinley film of us. Yeah. All the teams McKinley plays, they'll send us film of them. Well, they'll get all our games if they. Yeah, it, it's a bit streamed of a it. Yeah, <clears throat> they're for everybody. It's a bit of a gentleman's agreement, but no, uh, they That's should trade films. Can. I mean, they, they should trade films. Yeah, I mean nowadays a lot of the film, you know, all of the Maslin games get uploaded onto YouTube like the week after. Right. Um, you know, these box casts are pretty available this year for teams to see. Um, you know, the Perry McKinley game is online right now if you want to watch it. Uh, you know, when it comes to McKinley, the, you know, their offense is pretty big. We talked about that. The defense, you know, they have an end that's 215. They have an end that's 205. They have a Will linebacker that's a sophomore at 190. They have a Sam linebacker that is a converted corner that's 175. You know, on, on paper, they don't have the the biggest kids playing inside the box and you know you would think that would you know lend us being able to run the ball a little you know a little what was that one defensive tackle six three two yes they have have a guy that's six two two seventy they have a guy that's six three two sixty um inside as well big boys yeah they got a few big boys but they also have a few that aren't real big um so i think that's something that you could try to take advantage of when you have, you know, two, three, four different guys inside the box that might be undersized, I think that's something we can try to take advantage of. Usually these McKinley games are low-scoring affairs. We're trying to grind it out against them. You know we're going to try to run the ball. We've been, you know, doing that all year. Every team tries to run the ball. Um, hopefully that's something that we'll be able to do this year. You know, Perry did it really well against them and uh, came away with a big victory. And you know, hopefully we can try to attack what on paper looks like an undersized box. Yeah, I think that's one thing that somebody asked at the Booster Club on Monday. What did Perry do against them that let them run for fucking 500 yards? And the answer is they ran their shit. Mm-hmm. You know, Perry ran their brand of wing tee with a little bit of jet action, this, this, that, and the other that we shut the hell down last year that when I was watching it, I, I was kind of surprised, you know, that they didn't do anything different. Mm-hmm. They th- they threw the ball three times, which is... Now, who played play the week before? Uh, 
Harry play? With Canton or... I don't know, some oh, fed wow. team and the rest of the I, I, heard, I heard they threw nine straight passes in that game. Nine straight? Perry. Rob, you're on your phone. You need to find that because I just don't. We want Perry throwing nine they didn't back. throw any against McKinley? They it, threw like three, four three. passes. Two or three yeah. with an interception. Yeah. One was wide open. Corner just bailed on his assignment. Mm-hmm. And it was just throw it up there. And, and they caught it? Yeah. Um... One was the interception. The quarterback just tried to force it in there, and mm-hmm. he threw it right to the guy. Maybe I was wrong. Somebody told me that. That oh my god, Perry threw nine straight passes in a row. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. They've been passing more. The narrative is that Perry's passing more this year than they have in the past, but I don't know about that. I haven't really looked into Perry much. I think last week against McKinley they went, or was it last week they went? Two weeks ago, they threw three passes two weeks, against McKinley. Two weeks ago against uh, yeah, two weeks ago against Perry, they went two of three with an interception for like twenty yards. Yeah, uh, their passing game was not impressive by any means, it, but it was on schedule as far as their offense goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the counters, like to what they like to run, sure. is where they found some success at. I, I know they had a couple of big runs on some <sighs> counter. I think that's. I hope that's something that we can take advantage of. We don't run a lot of counters. No, it, it's hard. Um, that's something that I wanted to touch on, but I didn't. That the last couple games, when like we found success late, mm-hmm. it's just flat out running our base formation and running power out of it. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's weird that it's like we just. We fall back to that late in the you know late third. Fourth well, quarter. usually grinding clock and. But it, it's like it's something that we don't really try to do throughout the game, and then it's something we fall back on that the last four years has been our base, mm-hmm. and we're just really good at. You know, I think that's something that it speaks to the continuity, uh, like we talked about with the defense. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the continuity of the system, which. You know, you got this play that guys have been running since day one that they've been in this offense that we can just do better than you. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, how we like to keep this the McKinley game slow, I think it might come down to that. Um, they, they've been running the St. V, you know, which is now McKinley cover four, brand of cover four. It's not something that we're gonna, we're not gonna see just a, you know an all new look out of. We're not gonna, they're not gonna throw a three three stack, right? Cover three. They're ends. gonna do what they do. They're gonna do what they do, and I think my point is we're gonna do what we do. Mm-hmm. And I just like us doing what we do. Are we are we just running power in there? Kind of going into their strength. I mean, you got a 6'3, 270 pound tackle and a 6'2, 220 pound middle linebacker. Sounds to me like the weaknesses might be on the edge. Yeah. And that's the thing is can we come up with counters off of that? You know, we've shown some jet stuff with Martavian Johnson. I know. Hearing about, like, oh, we need to get touches for these guys. And last game with Iggy, you know, you see. 
we ran. I don't Jet. think we were too concerned about touches. No, last week. But you see us running the jet stuff, which I liked. I've been begging for that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, with four or five times. But is that a good thing against McKinley? The speed's got to be there at Forte. Yeah. Um, it's something that you run it early. You see what they do. I think we just play into our own game plan with the last few years of treat the early rounds, you know, like a mm-hmm. body, with like a boxing match. You, you mm-hmm. go, you kind of attack, you see what their strengths are, mm-hmm. you see what they're trying to defend, and then from there you just – you attack what you think you can attack with your counters, with that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know what our counters are, though. Do we have any counters? I don't know. We either just plow it at you, or we do the jet sweep, or we do the bubble screen. I mean, I don't know that we have any counters. I, I'm an I mean, two counters yeah. where you're gonna fake one side and then go back the other. So I'm an X's and O's nerd. This is like this is my bread and butter right here. Uh-huh. We have counters to a lot of the stuff we want to do. You know, we line up, and I think a lot of it is pre-snap motion, that kind of thing. Like, oh, we'll right. run the jet sweep at time and hand it off. Next play, that's your counter. Next play, fake the jet sweep. You run an ISO. Mm-hmm. Will that work against them? Maybe, maybe not. It's do we have counters that? That ain't like Perry's counters. Oh, no. Where they're diving the ball in. And no, then, it's it's yeah. not the old school, you know, you got your butt. Right. You got your dive trap. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your fullback trap, you do your buck sweep, to your waggle. Mm-hmm. It's you have, you know, we have different stuff to attack. <laughs> oh, God. We, we have it's getting that time, you and know. Still here, and um, oh, it, it's like, it's like sure McKinley week. Here. During McKinley week, I don't lose no sleep. I get enough sleep that can handle the weekend, whether it's a win or a loss. Well, I must say, but I can handle it. And you know what? Past eight o'clock, ready for bed. Yeah. Yeah. You got. Yeah. You have and that uh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> real quick, my lineman take care of it. Okay, does not go unused. I think we have enough in our offensive playbook to counter off of everything one way or another. It's how much we're willing to use it is the question, because I don't know. I kind of wanted to get into our offense a little more before this podcast started that it seems like we have a couple things that we want to go attack a team with mm-hmm. and then when it doesn't work off bat we kind of shy away from and just go back to our you know our base shit bud. yeah which is fine when it works mm-hmm. but, uh, I think a lot of it is time and possession of the game you know what I mean if we got the lead we can and, and we've had to power. We've been able to power it. Yeah. I mean, you know. So, here's my question. Actually, as an offensive coordinator, when you have a couple things you want to attack a team with, and it doesn't seem like it's working right off the bat, but your defense has it handled, how do you attack that? 
how do you attack that kind of situation where it's like it on the scoreboard it's a close game, but it feels like you got it in the bag. Okay, uh, you know you don't you don't go draw something up in the dirt. I mean, you've had to have practiced it. All right, so that, that that's your game plan. You know it's available to you, and if you if you it's hard to put something in just from a killing game. I mean, you might be able to put a little wrinkle in here or there, but you you're not putting in double reverses and stuff unless you practice them all year and saved them, you know, which can't be. But you know, we don't we don't run a base counter play, you know, that we've run all year which seems to be McKinley's weakness, evidently Perry exploited. You know, they run the ball. They're fast. They're, they're taught. They're going to run downhill, and they're going to run the ball. So that's what they are susceptible to is just run a base counter. But uh, I don't think you, you ain't going to put that in and pull the backside garden tackle and run a true counter. I mean, it ain't happening at this point. Uh you know, maybe we can fake the dive and then give it to, you know, the jet sweep. Something like that might be a little different. But for the most part, I think we're going to run, we're going to run. They're going to do what they're going to do. And it, it's going to be a dogfight. Kind of a more generic question, but could still be applicable now. Um, where do you fall on, like, having counter, like having your, a counter to a counter, what you could even say trick play? Where do you fall on using that early versus keeping it in your back pocket until you need it? I think you keep it. I mean, maybe you even go into some games where you have one early and then maybe even have a counter to that, which looks like that, and you have that for late. You know, uh, it depends on, you know, you're watching film all week and, I know the you're talking to a lineman. The you're hundred. talking to a lineman. He's very conservative. So are you, conservative? I was a lineman. Not talking to you. You're, he's looking right at me. So yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. conservative. Joe's very conservative. You know, you're gonna have to beat him up front to beat him. But to beat McKinley, whatever works. Whatever works. And I know you're trying to get this stuff for people to know and all that, you know, and that's good. But you know what? When it comes down to beating McKinley, you got to beat him right there at the line. I'll tell you what beat McKinley in the Hunters game. I'm going to go back to that. Mm -hmm. But they ran a bear front that they just jumped into. They were base 4-3. They jumped in this bear front, and they brought people, you know. And we've seen it on film, and they were really effective into this, jumping into this. They scared and, you. No, they didn't scare shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they jump into this, and you had to be aware of it. So we had Willie. Willie Spencer was quarterback. Uh, we gave him two checks. The first time they jumped into the bear, we were going to run the inside trap, fullback trap. Because they had nine guys in line of scrimmage, they have one linebacker. You got to block two guys, and you're through the middle of their defense, and all that pressure off the edge doesn't matter. Real quick, mm -hmm. power's God's play, but trap is the best playing football. 
it's forgotten play. Nobody runs fullback trap anymore, quick trap. Quarterback trap, even out of the shotgun. Them guys just put their ears back and run. I mean, they're trap bait. So we hit it. I'll never forget them up in the box. And uh, Vinny Turner hits that trap. And I, you can hear me on the film yelling, get through there, Vinny. Because I knew that was critical. If they sat in that front, we had problems getting Willie on the edge. Because they're coming off the edge. And Vinny got through there, and we got like 12 yards, whatever. It was a great play. And so we had a plan that the second time they seen Bear, Willie was going to fake it to Vinny and run the option. And he pitched it to Leon Ashcraft, and he went for 18 yards, and they never ran Bear again. So the <laughs> scheming... The scheming is so important before the game to have a plan. So you you, you got to have that and the ability of the kids to be on the same page to be able to pick up that check when at the time it's 20,000 people and everything's screaming and you're changing it because they jump in the bear when you're in the middle of your cadence and be able to change that and run it. You know, those things are so so important in a game like this and you know it's preparation and kids executing what's planned you know yeah so uh here's a question for the both of you uh i know that a lot of people have their own little traditions that they do during mckinley week uh you know for don't ask midge what is this (laughs) for example (laughs) hank and i are gonna watch timeless rivals tonight uh, sometime before Saturday, I'm going to watch Go Tigers. Uh, you know, everybody, there's no parade this year, but people would go to the parade. And then on Saturday morning, you know, everybody has their own little thing. Do you guys have any traditions that you like to do every single year? Is there something that throughout the week, you know, besides the game itself, but are there things that you do on McKinley week every year? Yeah, Wednesdays I make wimpy burgers. Thursdays I soak wimpy burgers. <laughs> Friday I just sit back and meditate. Drink a couple beers, that's about it. Come Saturday I eat wimpy burgers. Just like Canton. Now he's forgetting like 20 years where uh, he would be at, uh, I think, the West End Tavern open back then, like at 6 in the morning. 5.30. 5.30. on McKinley morning. And he'd get a five-pound bag of... 50-pound bag of puppy chow. Oh, my goodness. And he Two of them. throw it in the bar all over the floor. And then I take <laughs> a 50-pound... Then I take a 50-pound bag... To Canton, not to Maslin, but to Canton, and I throw it at people, and they thought it was fun. That's puppy chow. They thought it was fun. I never so, heard that part of it, but I know every other you year I take West it to End Canton Tavern on the Saturday of the game. It was full of puppy chow, and it was very well. The floor was. You had to be floor careful. Was yeah, you falling down there. Yeah, there, there was a couple of drunks. Really, that fell. pain in the ass. Yeah, but they was over sure sixty. The owners hated it. And, uh, no, they loved it. They loved the it, owners right? loved it. That was your they in-laws, loved, wasn't it? They loved cleaning that shit up. Yeah, I know. They told me about that. Yeah, they loved it. 
It brought money. I don't think. But it was uh, always packed. You know, when you have a business. That was a tradition of his. And when you have a business, you got to have, like, something to draw the people in. And if that's a bar floor full of puppy chow, then so be it. You know, I woke up one morning, and I can't remember what exact year it was. I think it was Uh (laughs) 2000. One, I think it was 2001. Warm beer, goddamn. And I woke up. That's your problem. You're going to start sucking that shit. <laughs> so what happened was I woke up at 3.30. I got home at 2.30 when the bar closed. I puked at 3. And another guy comes over and stops at my house at, well, 3.30, quarter 4. Charlie Marsh. Bless his soul. Good guy. So did he die? No. <laughs> no. Why you're blessing? Well, bless his soul. I don't talk to him no more. But that hey, you know what? This is the way it was. I got up. He woke me up. He was throwing beer, empty beer cans at my bedroom window. This is Friday. No, this, this is Saturday morning. morning. Oh, yeah. four a.m. Yep, quarter four. Charlie, make the game. Oh yeah. So I, I come over there, open the door, let him in. It's Charlie, man, I just came in, man. He says, yeah, your puke's out here, you know. I said, okay, hey, what's up, you know. And he goes, somebody did something to your house. I said, what? He goes, come on outside. My house had white and red toilet paper mm. all over the front big pine trees. Yeah. Had two big pine trees. And it was like. Wow. And Charlie says, what are you going to do? I says, we're going to go to West End and have a beer. (laughs) I don't give a shit about this shit. So we went to West End. Next thing I know, um, some friend of mine came by and cleaned it all up. And um, I found out that it was the Canton McKinley cheerleaders. came over to my house and TP'd my house. How come it wasn't black and red? Why white and red? Because white toilet paper. That's all they had. White toilet paper and ah, red. Ah, you know, yeah. They had that, it probably cost them. The, the, the red was wasn't. The red was, yeah, whatever it was. But Terry Valentine was what? living with this girl in Canton, and her daughter was a cheerleader yeah. for Canton McKinley. And get that loud mouth midget. Yeah. Get that and, loud mouth and, midget. And um, you know what? It was it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was you know, once I found out she showed up in her cheerleading uniform in West End after Uh-oh. the game, she showed up because I s- talked to her before later on that year that yeah, if we beat him, you gotta come over here. If we lose, I'll be over there. Well, she came over. Mm-hmm. She came over. Terry Valentine. Remember TV? Mm-hmm. Good guy. Good guy. Uh, yeah. What What time do you wake up currently on McKinley Saturdays? Because I think for the last three or four years, I've showed up to your house at like 4.30, mm-hmm. and you were already sitting around a fire when we I got there. there. At 5, 5.30. No. no. I show up at 4.30. You're just down in the basement running on a treadmill for an hour while I'm with your dad. 
Yeah, I'm showing up at 4.30. Now I'm about to ingest because it's McKinley week. I was still there yeah. at 4.30. You just yeah, weren't. That's called McKinley Day. That's the yeah, day. Yeah, ain't McKinley week no more. That's yeah. the day. Everything is over. Everything is over. But he still does that shit. I don't do that shit. It's, it's, I sleep in. No, yeah. it's Rob's exaggerating slightly. To beat the, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, Maybe a little bit. A little bit. So, uh, so I think it was two, three years ago is when I said, be at my house at 5.30 and we'll be good to go. And I'm, you know, running. I, I My goal is to be done by 5.45 on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep them waiting a little bit. They got there when they're supposed to be. Last couple of years, I'm like, oh, screw this stuff, man. Last couple of years, it's been raining. Yeah. Last couple of years, it's been, I don't have time for this. I'm just going to wake up, get a shower, and it's go time. Every time, though, I wake up at roughly, you know, 4.45, <coughs> 10 till 5. Music's already blaring. Midge is already up, getting after it. If that answers your question... Hey Rob, yeah. See it for, all right. Man, eh, I don't know. See the issue is, for the last couple of years I've been at your house at early, and then I just go to sleep after the game. So then I miss everything after the game. Right. Yeah. What do you expect? What what? It's what's, either pre-game or post-game. Yeah. You know no, I, I, I can still I, pre-game. Let me, let let me tell you something. I can hey, pre-game Rob, at seven. Let, let me tell you something here. There's you know what? Game. You can pre-game at game. eleven o'clock in the my morning. Buddy, my buddy, my buddy Joe have plenty was the of offensive buzzing. coordinator. Uh huh. Offensive coordinator for the hundredth game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I'm doing my routine. Oh, house I'm, oh, I'm doing my routine. Put 42 on them dogs. Yeah, remember Woofy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who was that? The defensive great coordinator? Guy, Tim Woof. Yeah. Yeah, great guy, all right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I was going to come down there and kill him for giving up 41 points. <laughs> you know, and, and the only reason I didn't because I had to go to bed because I was wore out. You guys you wore me out. I'm in the stands. It's, it's yelling. Probably Rob on this, though. Gee, many crickets. How much warm-up do you need? And then be able to enjoy yeah. the victory a little bit where you're not yeah, that's the thing is, falling I mean, down tired. While you was coaching, I was drinking. <laughs> yeah, you know? Right, I right. mean, I can't handle both. You know? Yeah. The, the and, 430 you know, thing, it, it's just... It's a, it's, it's a little nice. over the top. I, I, I like it. But then the issue is right after the game, I go to bed. Yeah. Right. And you can hang I'm in. Missing, I feel like I'm missing some after game activities. You Either sure miss are. before or after. So That's what right, you so got to deal here's with. Here's my question for you, Mitch. If, right. if I show up at 4 o'clock this year, will you give me the recipe to Wimpy Burgers? Ooh. Absolutely not. Oh, I'm I overruling. Asked, I asked, oh. I asked him, you. I, I have both recipes. No. You know, the Whippy Burgers go all the way back to Grasser's. You, you, West Side Mass and people. West, West, us. West us. Side. West Side Mass and people. West Side Mass. Yeah. Us. Yeah. yeah. You know. West Siders. Mikey Grasser, Stevie Grasser, Susie Grasser. Uh, you know. the and the then you got the style. dad and, and the uncle. And, man, you got the whole crowd there, man. I tell you what. 
That's but uh, bitch, just have it down, man. Stop up his house. No, you yeah, don't. I ain't having this shit. We all got corona. Oh, we all got corona. Wait, nobody making shit now. It's getting know? like 250 people up Mitch's house. He's yeah, I ain't even blocking low. the road this year, so hell with it, you know? No, no. Corona. Nah, we'll put a little Corona on That's your wimpy. That's the beer Mitch's got. He's got Corona beer and whip. I don't drink no Mexican shit. Uh-oh. Never will. Never will, man. Anywho, I think the answer to that question, Robert, is you just have to man up and you take the pregame and the postgame. You know, but we're done up, arguing. You wake up at four thirty, and then you just party until four thirty the next morning. Hank, I never taught you to, you to handle see. stuff like this. You know he's missed the last five McKinley games, right? Doesn't matter. I sat next to him the last. He sleeps through every McKinley game. Who does? Hey, first he, half. I'm up for the second. Eh, uh, you it know what? Matter. He he gets that from his dad. You know, <laughs> hey, Mitch is there, but he's sleeping. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting. I'm rooting. Damn you know right. what? You know what? When we won the hundredth game, I'll never forget this. We won the hundredth game, and. Mr. Vital, he's with me for the last 40 years at these football games. That's my godfather. And that's Henry's godfather. Jeff. And Aunt Janice, yep. his wife, Vital. is the godmother. You know? Vital. So, <laughs> well, that's what I call him. So, th- th- how everything went, you're making me forget, man. I'm 63 years old. Oh, okay. You're 62. You're going to be. No, you're going to be. You and Vital are going to the game. You're going to be 64. And. I don't know. When Maslin scored that final touchdown in that 100th game, I grabbed Mr. Bytel, he grabbed me, and we're squeezing. And you know what he said to me? He said, this is better than the 74 game. And we fell down and rolled a couple seats, and I said, no fucking way. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I think on that is actually a great segue to the last of our... Uh, beat what's, McKinley. What's looking like an extra-large Beat McKinley Blackstorm podcast. And that's going to be, everybody here ranks their top five Maslin McKinley moments. Oh, Christ, I thought you forgot about that. I did not. Well, the I, first two are obvious. I'm gonna. I'll start. I'll let you guys. I didn't really right. prep anybody else. Um, it, it can be the whole game. It can be a single moment. I got one. It can be whatever. <laughs> I got one. So you need five, brother. So I'm, Midge, I'm giving you one right now. So Midge goes second. Nah, I'm not prepped either. Let me go second. Okay, Rob can go second. I'm gonna go first. Yeah, I go last. So, Sounds like number one, Master McKinley moment for me, 2012 home game, we finally beat them. You know, we went, I remember my freshman year, show up to school first day, you walk through the halls of Master Washington High School, first thing you see front and center is that goddamn bell. Your freshman year? Yeah. And it, it just looks nice and pretty there right in the atrium. You walk in, it's the first thing you see. So, we lost them that year. That was 2009. We lost them 2010. 
We lost them in 2011. Sucks to suck, Rob. Thanks for that. Yeah, my fault. Senior year. We're getting real tired of walking into that school without seeing the bell. We finally beat them. You can say you can talk all the shit you want. We still beat them. You didn't play the mechanic team we played. I don't care. We still got the W. We 2012, we won. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it was just a culmination of I four years of Maslin not winning that game was just released yeah. right there. You get everybody storming the field. It, it was... Pass the levies. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was an incredible moment. And I, I can't put it into words, so I'm not going to try to. Number two, we're the last team to play McKinley two times in a season. We've, we faced him again in the playoffs up at uh, Dick Stadium in Kent. You know, we we won. Good victory. We ran all over their asses. My my number two moment is running out through the hoop. Just seeing the home side filled with the orange and black. Up in Kent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kent. You know, that, that, I think that was one of the first times I, I you really comprehend of Maslin travels, mm-hmm. and they travel... You know, for big games. Playoff game, but it's McKinley, too. Right. And I still think that's a sellout for modern Dick Stadium up in Kent. It was on that side of the field. Yeah. It, it was packed orange and black. It's one of those things I'll never forget, and it was just incredible. Number three. Uh Oh, boy. Why don't we go... There's four more people. Hey, yeah. Oh wait, get to it. Yeah. Why don't oh we... Why, why, right. You know, you hold yours. We'll, yeah. Oh all, right. all right. All okay, right. Okay. Go ahead, Rob. Actually, I no. Real quick. I have two. I have two. Number four is the fake ISO option to win the 100th game that uh, Uncle Joe called. But you were not alive then, were you? No, yeah, he was. was still top ten. Yeah, he no, was. I was alive. I wasn't mm. there, but yeah. I was alive. Still top ten moment. And uh, my last top Master McKinley game moment was, I think it was my dad's senior year, 1974. You know, when what happens when a punt goes, hits the ground, rolls, punt team's like waiting for it to hit or waiting for it to stop rolling. And my dad just decides to run in, grab the punt, tell everybody to, you know, go fuck themselves. Grabs it and starts running. Whoa. That, that's your five? Yeah. Damn, you remember right. that one. Let's see if I can just rattle off five real quick since I don't really have an order. Um, <clears throat> so, top five that I that I can speak of. Uh, so, you talked about the fan thing, you know, noticing the whole fans. Uh, you were a freshman. I was a sophomore when the team made a run to the Final Four. Yes. So I got to experience some of those, um, you know, big stadiums, you know, before you did your senior year. We played McKinley. We lost in the regular season, but then we played them in the regional championship, and we beat them my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And that, in general, is a top five 
McKinley thing for me. Um, Ryan Skelly blocked a field goal, which ultimately ended up winning the game. Uh, funny thing about Big that. Big time. Yes. Funny thing about that is all year long, Ryan Skelly would block kicks during practice, and Jason Hall would yell at him and call him a Thursday night hero, Friday night zero. And then when it came to the regional championship against McKinley, who do they ask to go in there and block a kick? Ryan Skelly. So, uh, you know, big play, top five moment, Madison McKinley for me. Uh, my freshman year, McKin- uh, we beat McKinley at home. And I just remember Antonio Scazza making a big play in the in the backfield. And he just, like, flexed to the fans. And for whatever reason, I think that was, like, the front page of the newspaper the next day. That's something that's always kind of stuck out to me. So I'm going to put that in the top in the top moments. 100th game, you know, the the lateral to win it. McDaniel's missing a kick. That's that's top five. Um, whatever year it was, it's in Timeless Rivals, and I love it. Whatever year it was that it was really muddy because the supposedly the firefighters flooded the field the night before. And both teams were really muddy. And halftime, we came out in new uniforms. Whenever that 1970. 1970. Whenever that was, top five McKinley moment. We came out in new uniforms, and supposedly the McKinley players basically just gave up because they're like, oh, that, you know, we're all 10 pounds heavier and they're wearing brand new uniforms. Top five moment right there. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, so uh, we ended up losing this game, but in 2000, the season of 2010, Devin Smith caught a pass without looking. Or knowing that the ball was coming. What? Top five moment for me. Yeah, Kyle Kemp just decided to throw it to Devin up the seam. Which is a fair thing to do. Okay, here's the issue. Devin didn't know it was coming. Devin wasn't looking. It just accidentally hit him in his hand while he was running, and he caught it. Top top five moment. He's running around? He was running a seam route. He was that type of receiver. He was running a seam route, and it just accidentally hit him in the hand while he was running. Catch. 20 yards. <laughs> Wait, 20 yards? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm par- I don't know. I don't remember the exact play, how far it went, but I'm guessing I mean, about he, 20 yards. If he caught it at 5. It was qu- no, no, no. It was quick. He probably caught it like in the 10 to 15 yard range. Okay. And yeah. then got tackled shortly. So, I mean, I don't know. 15, 15 to... 20 yards. I don't know. Whatever. He caught it without looking. That's the part of the play, which is yeah. top five moment. Uh, 100th game, uh, Eddie Bell catching a, catching a touchdown pass. Yeah. 1974. Um, I think... Oh, Top moment, I, right I there. I won, and I lost it. Go. No, go. That's it? Yeah. 1970. 1970. We're playing McKinley at home. I remember my dad, he, he took care of... Um, and fuck you, Joe. My dad took care of the South Gate down there by the band. He watched that gate. Me and Andy Fichter, my best friend, he sent us in the stadium, let us in free, you know, and he says, don't cause me any trouble. <laughs> so we go up and we sit up into the stands and we're like right next to the student section and there was a lady named I don't know her first name but her last name was Autry her brother was Mike Autry tough football player for Maslin mm-hmm. played fullback tough football player hard nose 
So we're sitting there talking to her. Maslin comes out. McKinley comes out. Opening kickoff. Larry Harper catches the ball on the seven-yard line. He goes along McKinley's sidelines for 93 yards and a touchdown. That was like the craziest I ever seen being up in the stands. I think McKinley was undefeated too, weren't they, that year, 70? Fuck them. You know, it, it's just like, who cares? But, sorry, Joe, but I, this is what I, this, Go ahead, I got, I got an attitude toward it, that, you know? And, you know, that was the closest they ever got that whole game. Your brother was nothing but a junior, but he kicked that boy's ass all day. You know, there was a story with that that Coach Cummings said that uh, Bridie told him as uh, – Harper, Larry Harper was running down the sideline from McKinley's sideline, you know. And Coach Bradweiser was a Maslin assistant the year before, mm-hmm. and he took the head coaching job at McKinley. And oh. the, yeah, yeah. And uh, they said Larry Harper when he was running by, he winked at Bridie <laughs> as he was running yeah. down the oh, sidelines yeah. for a touchdown. Classic. Yeah. Classic, very, very classic. You know, it's. Well, there's only you know. Uh, Willie's pitched Victor Redrick, uh, Greg Wood, Daddy Bell. You know, those are two last second touchdowns. I got, I, I got one. I got one. And in seventy one, Masson lost two games, seven to six to Niles, and eight to seven against Warren. <laughs> And now they're playing McKinley. And it was kind of a bum year because Cummings always claimed that was his best team, the 71 team. Really? Yeah. That was his best team. And Maslin's driving down the field. And the ball's like on the four-yard line. And I didn't see it. I was on the sidelines. I didn't see it, but I was told from a good friend of mine that his name was Steve Studer, (laughs) that when he lined up on that play, they called a dive middle to Willie Spencer. And Steve Studer came up to the line of scrimmage and pointed at the middle guard He says, this is my guy. I got him. Then Pete Jasinski heard him say something and said, this linebacker's my guy. I got him. The whole line pointed to whoever they was blocking. They ran the play, and they took a picture of this that was in the paper that shows Willie Spencer diving flat out diving in for the touchdown and the only thing i remember was steve studer steve studer had his guy in the back of the end zone on top of him he pancaked him in the back of the end zone that dude never saw willie 
Andre Heath was in there too. I remember him saying, "I got this guy. He's got this guy." Rob Stefan. Rob Stefan was the. Uh, I think Andre was the one doing the talking. No, your brother told me it was him. He pointed yeah. it. He, he started it, and it went right down the line. That's how that went. That's what he told me. You know, my dad's real good at telling stories. Yeah. And they're stories that I choose to believe because they're tremendous. Yeah. So, Some moving of them along. Be a little off kilter. Moving along. <laughs> Uncle Joe. Top McKinley moments. What do you got? I uh, said too. The game and the '74 finish. Yeah. Really too. Uh, I go back to uh, Dave Shegog uh, beat McKinley coming in off the bench and. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's year? Sixty four, sixty five. I'm not sure, but I yeah. Know. Well, you could do either Dave one. Shegog, I remember Dave Shegog as a kid that uh, came off the bench and won the McKinley game. I remember sitting on a track seat watching that when I was probably ten. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was a great moment. Uh I don't know. You to go back past that. Yeah. I mean, you're invo- you were on the '74 team. You were uh, offensive coordinator for uh, three, four years. You know. Yeah. Uh, you gotta have something. Something else. That really jumps out. What was it? So, what were you thinking? Actually, I I want to ask this. The touchdown. That won the hundredth game. What were you thinking when he called that play? Well, it was more the whole series. You know what? Can I answer this? Uh, Can I answer this a little bit? Not because you weren't there. No, I wasn't there. <laughs> but I heard your story. Okay. Well, why don't you let me tell my own story? Then? Well, this is this Are is. You button in. Because you know you're you're cakey. Here man. we go. You're cakey we go. man. I'll answer your question, eh? It was more of the moment in the series. Mm. Uh, Willie was talking to Jack, and I could hear more of the phones, the headphones, and Willie was very nervous. And I told Jack, I said, calm him down, calm him down, tell him we're going to get in power set which we usually slam the ball two tight ends, you know, mm-hmm. power eye formation. So Willie was good with that. So then on the first play, we called Willie faking the handoff, running the boot. So <laughs> Willie didn't have enough time to think about it, and he got about six or seven yards. And then uh, the next play, we ran the option off of uh, out of power set, same look. Mm-hmm. Ran the power set option, and uh, there was no doubt. Uh, you know, Jack could veto it, but I, I was calling to play. Willie was going to have his ball in the hands every play. You know, I don't know if McKinley knew that or not, but so that's the way it was going down. Okay, so now what do you want to say? Yeah, I, my thing was what 
I thought what you told me was that wasn't the touchdown play. The next play after that was going to be the touchdown play. I don't remember. This was that. setting up. You was going to throw it to the tight end. I I, I don't know, man. I think you're having dreams. <laughs> Okay, so... You know what? That's what you get for drinking yeah. light beer. To my dad's defense, yeah. he has gone my entire life saying that, that the option to mm-hmm. win the 100th game, it was a setup to the next play that was going to be a touchdown. However, watching it now... It's well, the next play would have been the naked off of it, but we never know. Yeah. You had to send your whole, you know. You never at know. At that point, you had to fake it and mm-hmm. and get Willie on the edge another way. So, I I, I kind of have a question. When you're in that kind of situation, how much are you thinking, like, all right, what can we, like, what plays good here versus how can we get the ball in our guy's hand? Uh, at at that point, there was there was no real comparison to the two. It was what plays do you have mm-hmm. that Willie has the ball? That was the only thing is how are you gonna keep Willie with the ball? Because I mean, you know, Leon Ashcraft and we had a couple backs, but if Willie was gonna run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he might have had the option, you know, on the boot, he had the option, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, Willie has the well, ball. That think, was our best chance well, to win. So that's that's one of those games that, like, watching back, you know, because on YouTube now, you can watch it back. You can see it, it's kind of weird to watch, like, all the old commercials and stuff, but mm-hmm. you can watch back and see, like, you know, what we were running, what we were trying to do, mm-hmm. what they were taking away, what they were trying to do, and this, that, and the other. And it, it, I I had somewhere I was going to this. I was talking. Well, it was punch, counter, punch. Yeah. Was no doubt. And, you know, you think, well, it was the last play. What do you think of the last play? Mm-mm. Well, it was 42 points last place. You know what I mean? You were the whole game. And nobody remembers that the other first quarter was nothing, nothing. Yeah. It was zero, zero. Um, so I forgot where I was going with this, but it doesn't matter because it's McKinley week. You know. Beat the dogs. <laughs> it's it's the best time of the year. It's Christmas time in Maslin, Ohio. There's no better time. And I can't think of any place I'd want to be right now than Maslin, ready to play the Bulldogs. Fall. You know what? Fall. Leaves change. Cities change. And if we was playing Canton in the spring, that would be my favorite time of year, too. So whatever we play them some bitches, you know what? That's my favorite time of year. And all you Canton people out there, you know, hey, 
bless you i feel sorry for you i really do because i don't know how many in a row we got and i don't care about that but i do care about this saturday and that's just another notch in my gun <laughs> it's uh i think we're on the eight of the last nine yeah. that we've won um to get our last sponsor in rob this was more your spiel but you know sure i'll i'll plug it for you oh thank you the the fw renner and sons question of where you'd like to where you like to eat you know best place in madison to eat uh i'm just gonna answer it real quick it's west side krauses strong answer i'm the one with the microphone it's the right answer it's west side krauses Double crust pizza, get that for the. Uh, nope. Uh, so the FW Renner Sons question of the week: We ask all the guests, "What is your favorite local eatery? What's the best place to eat around town?" Both of you guys answer. Krauss's has already been said. I like Jay's. Jay's Pizza. Wow, a West Sider not picking Krauss's. Oh, that buy, that bides what for you guys? Still West so, Side Uncle, Pizzeria. Yeah, but it's not Krauss. Uncle Joe. Favorite eatery in Masterin, nice little local place. Um, it depends what meal. I like any to, meal. I like <laughs> to go to I like to go to Menchie's for breakfast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, if I was going Italian, I'd go to Smiley's. Very nice. For brunch. <laughs> now what about dinner and lunch? <laughs> funny boy, funny boy. <laughs> All right, it rhymed. <laughs> so we got it. We got it in quick. It, I I don't have anything else to say besides it's McKinley week. You know, beat McKinley, beat McKinley, beat McKinley. Go Tigers, go Tigers. All right. Some bottom so that the dancers just won't hide. 